running straight off a slump. A crazy motherfucker named Nipsey. I'm turned up because I grew up in this. It's, it's caution. Till you rap, it's trying to diss me. I go All right. Greetings and happy Tuesday. This is the Desiree Show on Dash Radio. First downs and flip tricks, and it is the second day of April. Um, today, I'm super thankful to welcome a phenomenal man, a man with many talents. Uh, you've seen him in Bloom and in City Stars, Street Cinema, along a slew of other videos and magazine parts and covers. A phenomenal charger. Mr. Mikey Taylor is in studio with me today. How's it going? Thank you. Good. But first, I do, you know, I started off the show with a specific song. I was going to ask you about that. Is that a normal song or is this no. in wake of? In wake of just somebody that really impacted a lot of people and really inspired a lot of people, um, took, took a road, the harder road, I should say, trying to just continue to give back, you know, and, uh, you know, and I do, I wanted, you know, Nipsey Hussle. I mean, you know, I I do need to say his name, you know, I mean, in case people don't know, uh, you did post something as well. I did. Yeah. You know, you want to share a few moments uh, on on what this meant to you or what he meant to you? Yeah, well, it's funny, man. You just don't see people, you don't see people like that actually like making not only a push to help the community, but he had such a different message, even from a young age. uh, That was like, I don't want to say it's like a comparison to like a Tupac, but it was very similar in like actually having a cause behind what he was trying to accomplish. Um and dude, it's just, it's sad to see somebody doing something like that and then to get like shot in front of his own store. It's almost like, like I, 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 I I'm it's just, yeah, it's kind of whack, I think, you know? Yeah. No, and uh, it's, it is really whacked. Uh, I, I mean, I just, there's so many, there's so many broken hearts all yeah. over the world. You yeah. know, you impacted all of us, I th- you know, on such a variety. Um, just a huge sadness. Um, I do want to share, uh, you know, I just, I wanted to, to, sort of send prayers to all his family and to all those close friends that are, are really impacted by his loss and, uh, and to thank him for his voice and for, and his actions of what he did. I also wanted to share some words. Uh, DJ Ski uh, started Dash Radio, and um, he was a really close friend. He was a really close friend, and he, what he posted on his Instagram I thought was pretty beautiful. You know, he, he had, I, I was looking at his stories, and it was just this montage of, of, of images of them over the last 10, 10 plus years. And so he said, still numb. Uh, the definition of self-made. Turned down million-dollar deals in front of me without a, final, uh, without a flinch. Had a vision and executed it to perfection. Did it all independently on his terms. Only goal was to put others in a position to win. Always had time for everyone who came up to him. Leader of, leader for the culture and community, a friend, a business partner, and a brother who always encouraged me to be the best I could be. Truly inspirational and never negative to every, to anyone. Always had a message. I'll always remember the, the come up together from hustling mixtapes to celebrating deals to getting the AMGs, even though stunted on me with the V12s. Uh, bittersweet that you got to drop the album you worked your whole life on and finally got the accolades you deserved but you are far too great for this world. So it's our duty to make sure the marathon continues. And that was uh, DJ Ski. Yeah. So I just thought it was pretty, pretty beautiful. Yeah, totally. I thought it was cool just seeing how much impact he made on like other artists and, you know, yeah. And athletes. I mean, friends of ours and I mean us and mm-hmm. athletes all across the board. Yeah. You know, a lot of NFL players I know. And so, but now let's, you know, let's, right. uh, I did want to honor, um, 
did want to honor him. Uh, but now, without further ado, you know, the guy who's a ripping and prolific career on his board. He's a filmer. He's a curator. He's a businessman. He's an entrepreneur. He's a father. He's a wi- husband. He's not a wife. He's a husband. Uh, and he's got a list of other accolades. Um, I'm really excited to have you in studio, Mikey. Yeah, I'm stoked to be here. Thank Thanks you. for making the time. Yeah, of course. You know, and I think of you, when I think of you, I think of City Stars. I think of Slam City Jam. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, personally, you know, and uh, sadly, I reached out to Cream uh, a few weeks ago. I had Mike Crum try to reach him. He has more phone numbers than any NFL player I know. Yeah. Uh, and I wasn't able to get any words from him specifically, but, um, you know, we'll get into that a little bit later. You, you know, you, so you grew up. Cream was hard to get a hold of even when we wrote for City Stars. <laughs> Except been, for the openings. And then he'd show up. He's, like, he's been like that forever. Yeah. What what you know I I didn't want to start with this but what was it like getting getting on City Stars I mean City Stars was the shit I mean it, to tell you the truth when we got on we weren't even aware of what it what the impact was going to be you know when, like when we looked at it City Stars was different than what it became not saying we built it but it yeah. had a certain vibe that wasn't necessarily us right we were a bunch of skate kids from the valley mm-hmm. and. I think what became special from it, and, and we saw kind of uh, after it happened, but we had a group of people that were so kind of tight niche and, and were friends before it, that there was a special type of, uh, uh, there was a special type of connection and vibe through that team that I think is what really uh, shined beyond us just doing tricks. I mean, even from like the trips we went on, from the contests, like we were an actual kind of squad, and I didn't notice how special it was until I, ended up writing for alien writing for alien and oh. and having tried to search for that feeling my entire career and realizing that i had it right when it started and it was so hard to to duplicate yeah wow. yeah. yeah no i mean and that's what it per, uh, per, the perception for me was mm-hmm. you know of just like yeah something real special it was special it was special i mean I've, i fought 13 years after to try to find it it was very very challenging to to recreate okay no it's uh well, let's let's reset. Like, so so you grew up in Buckleberry, yeah, Newbury Park. Yeah, <laughs> um, you started skating with your brother. Mm-hmm. What was your first setup? Oh, my first setup was a World Industries board. It was a uh, it was just a team deck. Uh, had a, it was a slick skin, had like a volcano on it. <laughs> That's all I knew. And then you are, are you the youngest? I'm the oldest. Oh, you're the oldest. Mm-hmm. Okay, I yeah. am as well. Yeah. Um, but, and, but your brother was really into skating. Yeah, we got into it together. Okay. Started at the same time uh, and kind of skated together for kind of the whole entire run of it. Okay. Yeah. And what does he do now? Uh, he is, actually, he, uh, he started struggling with a mental illness and is in the middle of kind of going through that challenge and kind of trying to figure out a way around it. So that's been, gosh, the last, it's been about seven years now. Mm-hmm. So he's not working, just trying to find find himself almost. Are you, you guys have seemed to be close. I don't know now, you know, currently, or I mean, mm-hmm. I think family is really important, but um, do you share your experience or have you been able to share your experiences through different adversities perhaps? with him on this different adversity he's struggling with, but yeah, I mean, yeah, we were close. I mean, as close as you could be. Um, and yeah, it's a uh, gosh, it's, I mean, it's hard. This is a mental illness. is a challenging one, right? Like 
anything else, it's very easy for you to recognize what is wrong and go after fixing it, right? Oh, you have cancer? Okay, this is what you do and blah, blah, blah. You have something wrong? Okay, fix that. With mental illness, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's hard to see what it really is, right? Because it's a, it, it comes off like a personality disorder, right? And it's hard to see who the person is because a lot of times they're acting differently than they are. And so people just don't want to be bothered by, it. I mean, it's hard. I'm not saying it's not easy to deal with. It's very challenging. And, and a lot of times it's, it's a struggle to even be around. Uh, but gosh, I think it was just all of us are trying to keep some type of uh, light at the end of the tunnel that, you know, we can find out how to maneuver through this, but God, it's not by far the hardest thing I think my whole family has ever dealt with. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, no. Um, I mean, do you faith or do you, I mean, what do you, how do you, you know, and this is not where I wanted the interview, no, it's okay. you know, yeah, I don't but mind. I mean, uh, you know, obviously I need to ask, I mean, do you have a, you know, a spiritual connection or do you have a church or a religion or a faith or something what you and your wife and your family mm-hmm. have seems to be very close. And mm-hmm. what I've read about your immediate family growing up was very close mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, what are some of those tools, like maybe perhaps that could help somebody else? So that's such a good question. Uh, for for my family with my wife and then also my parents, uh, uh, we do have a faith, believe in God, uh, believe in Jesus, Christians. Um, and to tell you the truth, that has probably been – Gosh, I think the only thing that is kind of, I mean, the thing is it it doesn't just affect like my brother, like even like my relationship with my parents, the whole entire family is really affected by it. So I think without some type of faith, I don't, I don't know if we would have, I don't think we'd be able to stay close through it. It, I mean, it's, it's challenging. Isn't the right word. Um, As far as like tools to, to work through, through the experiences, it's it's something we're still learning Um, a lot of counseling uh, uh, it, yeah, it's mental illness is a tough one. There's, there's just, it's hard to find the solution to it. And it's hard to like get like part of a mental illness is the person who has, it doesn't recognize that something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. So in, in my brother's an adult, my brother's 32, 33. So there's no like, okay, you're going to go be on these meds. Now you, that person has to come to the decision to do it. And the challenge is that majority of people with mental illness don't think anything's wrong. So it's very difficult to get them through the process of, of being medicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that I think is the biggest challenge for me. Like, you know, I'm, I'm like, okay, something's wrong. Fix it right away. I do not like putting things off. And this has been a very delayed uh, process to trying to find a solution, but we're just, I mean, dude, navigating through it and, you know, trying to work through all the emotions that go with it. Yeah, almost like, I mean, a, like similar uh, to like an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. I mean, not, no. but, you know, the same, the, the family dynamics are, are affected. affected. Everyone yeah. is affected. Uh-huh. Everyone reacts and responds in certain ways, doing the best they can with what they think they're supposed to do or not understanding. Yeah. Um, it's. It, I mean, sounds very similar. Yeah. Um, you know, are there support groups? Uh, yeah, there are. Um, there was a group we were going to do for a while called NAMI. Mm-hmm. And that was like more on the early stages where we had no education in mental illness. Um, we just thought he was delusional or being crazy. Mm-hmm. So that that was actually really good. We went to that for a while, just learning about how to deal with it. We're learning what it is. Uh, and then from there, it's, it's just been kind of, for us, more counseling. 
Okay, right. Thanks for being so candid yeah, no you know, and sharing that. All right, if you're just tuning in, I'm joined by Mikey Taylor. You can follow him on Instagram. Uh, Mikey Twitter. Taylor and Twitter. Uh, gosh, I don't. Do you still use Twitter? I'm not using it that much anymore. I, not as much, but I still am on there. I try to remind myself to you know, okay. get on there because a lot of people that don't. I mean, the, obviously the shift. Well, skateboarding. I think we everything's visual, so Twitter we've, left you know, fast. Yeah, but visual. There's you still can put images up there. I mean, Mikey Mike Moe's really active on there as well. Yeah, he's very engaging with all of yeah. his fans. Yeah. Um, you know, there's you know, so I think there's a great. It's it's a different outlet. Yeah. You know, um, that shouldn't be neglected. Okay, I need to get back on Twitter. <laughs> well, you're on YouTube. You're on everything. Yeah. You know, so, you know. Twitter is the one I lack for sure. Yeah. Okay, so let's uh, let's reset. So uh, we're gonna go back to to, to Buckleberry. Mm-hmm. First board was San- was a uh, world industry. World industries, yeah. Uh, and the volcano. Yeah. And <laughs> I don't remember much more than that. Now and then you you have a really cool story. You have a really cool experience as well because you came up in high school. However, you completed high school and I did. Uh, you know you didn't you didn't go the route of homeschooling. Any thoughts or um, words? Uh, for skaters now out there because I see the trend has been the last 10 years is parents are pulling their kids out and I'm not I'm not a fan of that I, yeah. I mean every situation is different because I feel that high school is really tough mm-hmm. and that there's a lot of good life lessons in there mm-hmm. um, what are your thoughts um, well the reason I finished high school is because when I started skating the industry wasn't where it was early 2000s having like a a successful career didn't mean much back in that time so I felt like not graduating high school like that that's not even an option yeah um then there was a window where skateboarding kind of started getting bigger and people started making more money and I think that's where the trend started uh kind of playing in where parents are pulling kids out of school because there was actually money money to be made uh which I still don't recommend doing but now I think it's really dangerous because parents still think that there's a lot of money here and there's not no. So, you know, I, I like granted, look, I'm not a supporter of, I shouldn't say it like that, but I'm not a very big believer in college. I think high school you need to get through. Now, if you have a choice where you just want to homeschool because you think it's a better approach to teaching your kid than high school, all for that. But a lot of parents pull their kids out to start homeschooling them and they never graduate high school. They just stop. Uh, and I'll tell you straight up, there is not enough futures or money inside of skateboarding to do that. No, it's and it's very oxymoronic because yeah. it's blowing up. It's in the Olympics. It's like huge, but there's no money in skateboarding. No, this is. Uh, this I mean, is, and that's you know that's what's so nuts. I totally agree. I think this is the hardest time it's ever been to not only be a pro skateboarder but just have a business within skateboarding. This is ch- a ch- super challenging time. Yeah, it has been. Uh, you know, and it's weird because the new, and I don't want to generalize because I do want to embrace the youth and the the new uh, the new blood of skateboarding, but there is a lot of. I don't know how to say this. It, it's not across the board. I'm generalizing, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of entitlement. Um, there's um, a lot of parents managing uh, social media accounts for young kids, which I have a hard time with, honestly. Um, you know, and I, it, it's just, it's such a weird, it, it's just a, a kind of weird right now in that, that regards of keeping it true to skateboarding. Uh, and then because it has become the new soccer mm-hmm. without, you know, skateboarding being involved in it. Yeah. You know, so I don't know where I was going with there. <laughs> so we're going to stick back to you. Um, okay. So I, I want to also talk about uh, sponsor me t- tapes. Mm-hmm. Um, 
You had a friend in high school. You had actually a pretty rad little high school posse of skaters. Yeah. What is it about the water uh, in that vicinity? <laughs> you know, I have no idea. It was strange. We, you know, there were a lot of kids that came out of Newbury Park that were really, really good skaters. And when I, so I grew up in place Agora. I grew up with Spanky. Uh-huh. And it was Spanky and I. That was pretty much it. And then when I went to Newbury Park, there were so many people better than me that like, it, it was the first time I was exposed, like, holy shit, like these dudes are good. You know, and then it was like for me, I was just always trying to keep up with them. And it just so happened that like everyone kind of got recognized and then uh, had careers and we all came out. I mean, we do. We all went to high school together. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah no, Spanky was 13. I mean, yeah, you know, that video. I mean, 16 or 16. Yeah. Pardon me. Yeah. yeah. No, I was like, uh, that was such a great yeah. video. I've known Spanky since he was like five years old. Wow. Yeah. That's rad. That's super rad. Uh, it, well, so, and then from one of the guys, though, from your friend Justin, mm-hmm. you got kind of his sponsored uh, contacts, mm-hmm. from what I understand, and or what I read, I should say, and um, you're, you sent out a lot, all your videos or your tapes, and what I love is uh, reading about what your dad said when the phone rang from the death team manager, Yeah, and uh, you want to share a little bit more about that? Yeah, so, uh, so I... The good thing was, is like what Justin was sponsored, Van was sponsored, this guy Stuart Fott was sponsored, Jim Bates was sponsored. So I saw people being able to get sponsored, so it made it feel like it was achievable for me. Mm-hmm. So with Justin, I got him to give me all his uh, sponsors' address and then the team manager's name because that was a big oh, one got, too. Yeah. Right when when I made out a lot of my tapes, I would just put attention team manager. But if you had the name, it was like okay, he might see Didn't it. Get in that stack on the ground. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The bummer was is all the sponsors Justin had, no one called me back. Mm-hmm. It was all the guys who I went in blind, like Duffs or Maple or or people I just saw the address in the magazine. Those ones actually called me back. And so uh, this guy RP, who was oh, the team, RP best? yeah, right. I was going to ask, was it RP? It was okay. RP. <laughs> RP was uh, the team manager at Duff's, and he called my dad. Was the first company that ever called me, wanting to sponsor me from the sponsor me tapes. And you know, my dad picked up the phone. He's like, "Hello." He's like, "Oh, this is RP from Duff's. We want to talk to your son." And my dad was like, "Oh gosh, you guys have been calling all day." And RP was like, "There's people calling." He goes, "Yeah, Mike sent like forty of these tapes out. Just the phone's been going crazy." And RP's like, "Please don't call me." And then my dad told me that. I'm like, what are you doing? Are you kidding me? He's like, just trust me. <laughs> you know, so I ended up, uh, my dad built a little bit of clout around me before it even started. That's sick. So let's talk about the supportive family. I mean, because mm-hmm. that's obviously, and your mom, your mom knew all the mags. Like she went through all the mags as well when you got them or when they came in the mail. So my grandma. Oh, your grandma. Yeah. My grandma was like my biggest fan. Okay. So she, my grandma saved every ad I ever had in any magazine. So she subscribed to all of them. She would look through them every month, find the ones, pull them out. And she put them in this like, like binder, you know, it was pretty cool. Um, and, and not to say my parents weren't supporters, but it took my mom and dad longer than my grandma. Cause my, my, I mean, your grandma loves the grandkids no matter what, yeah. you know, it's the parents responsibility to, to build up kind of independent, successful in all aspects people. So my parents were a little bit harder to get their heads wrapped around skateboarding being a career. At this point I was just trying to get sponsored. So they were okay with that. It was when I wasn't going to college and this was going to be my thing. That's when it was a little shaky. Kind of, yeah. Like the, that's not, now when are you going to grow up and not yeah, skateboard oh yeah. anymore? Oh yeah. I dealt with that for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've dealt with that with my parents yeah. as well, but I didn't have a prolific career like you have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they were probably smarter on my end. You know? Totally. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and then moving forward, you, uh, 
you know, you got on Duff's and you, your first board sponsor was Maple. How did that happen? Or what was, you know, was there any story that, that came with that? So Maple, uh, oh gosh, I think Ed Dominic oh, uh, is who called me. No, you know what? No, it wasn't Ed. Or it was, was Brian it? Young. Okay, okay. Brian Young was the team manager at the time. He called me uh, and I did a Nolly front board in my video part. And that was like the, he was like, dude, the Nolly front board was cool. We want to give you boards. So they ended up giving me boards. They told me they'd flow me. And they were sending me like 10 boards a month. It was crazy. So like I was just like, I was like living good, selling boards, like everything was okay. But I was, all, I was, you know, I was in 11th grade. So, uh, I mean, I was living the life, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cool guy at school too and wearing your shirt. Not yet. Not yet? Okay, Not yet. Okay. No, we weren't cool in high school. Skating was super whack back then. Yeah. No, <laughs> so no. Yeah. I had, I had free stuff, but like, no, like people weren't into us no well and that's another thing is too is you could see people you could walk into anywhere and you could see people's shoes and if they skated Mm -hmm. and um i kind of miss that oh my gosh i do too well yeah because back then you'd see somebody that had skate shoes and it was rare to see yeah so when you saw them you were like oh sick they skate or like no they don't even have there's like not even a smudge on those yeah yeah, you you just don't know now it was kind of before always getting free brand new yeah Brand new stuff. You know, you talked about selling the boards. And that reminds me of Europe and Munster and like, yeah. you know, everybody going out there and um, and a means, you know, that was part of the means. You yeah. Know? We'll send you with a cup, you know, with a stack of boards or yeah, whatever and some trucks some money, and sell yeah. them, make some money. Those kids, though, at Munster, you skated Munster. Mm-hmm. That contest was wild, I thought, because kids came from all over Europe on train rides for four, 24 to 48 hours. Yeah to camp to watch their favorite skaters in the world skate. Yeah. Um, what was it like as a young pro or a young am going, you know, on a tour perhaps and kind of and kind of being overwhelmed? I, I was a little overwhelmed by it yeah. or, or touched, I should say. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was just special. I, that's the only thing I can explain it. It was like we had such a tight community back then. Our industry as a whole was very tight, and it was growing as we were all in it. So it was like – you know, I, I think all of us were just tripping. Like, dude, this is crazy. Like, people know who we are. People, it was like, it was just so different. But it was like, it was there. Was, it was innocent. It was, it was. I don't know. I don't know if it was like I was. I'm the older guy now, and that was like my time where it felt special. But it felt, it was so cool back then. No, you know? it, it was. Yeah. it was really special. You would even the, all the Europe tours. Everyone in Europe hitting, you know, each team, and you'd see people at the train station. Yeah. You know, different teams. Yeah. And, they were going here and you were going there, you know. Um, it just seemed like everybody was like, we were all just trying to figure this thing out. You know, there was like, seemed like there was so much more love in it. It was like, it was just a closer thing, you know. No, it was, it was definitely special. It times. was pre-corporate. It was like before corporate America took over. So it was just like sick, you know. Yeah. No, it's, it, it still is, um, you know, and, and making, you know, making ramps, you know, making, uh, for me, you know, um, and I'm sure for you as well, but make, you know, help and build ramps, help and bring plywood, help and bring, you know, a sheet or two or whatever you could or sweeping or digging or putting screws in the ramp mm-hmm. so you could skate it. Yeah. You know, like this unity um, yeah. and kind of respect. The shift as well for skateboarding is skateboarding for me has always been respect based. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as a pro, you turn pro with your board sponsor. I'm I'm talking old school, yeah, you know, but was, yeah. you know, like you, you know, you work on video parts, you work on getting editorial coverage, you, you, you know, perhaps you do contests as well. Some can do all three, 
um, you know, with the different parts or video or store, you know, mm -hmm. uh, an interview. Um, and then your board sponsor turns you pro, mm -hmm. not uh, a contest. Yeah. yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a different, it's a different, different era now. Um, but let's talk about uh, I, I, in bloom. Oh, okay. well, I, I, the, the, that video, phenomenal. Uh, I'm just, I, first of all, I miss video premieres like that. Yeah, me too. The trans ones were special. The trans ones yeah. were special. The girl ones were special yeah. too. I mean, the city stars, I remember going to yeah, La Paloma. Encinitas yeah. at Lopo Loma and seeing the city stars and everybody coming out of the limo. I believe it was yeah, a limo. It was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Smoke puff was coming out, yeah. <laughs> if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, being a part of this video, uh, I mean, this was, I mean, you, Paul, uh, Tony, um, oh my gosh, Chris Cole, um, who else was in this video? Evan. Evan Hernandez. Yeah. I mean, I think of you and Evan. Um, yeah, and then Trainwreck. And yeah. Uh, what was that like for you? Like, I know you'd had been in another, you know, the City Stars video premiere as well, but this, the Transworld video premieres at that time were yeah. big. It was in Los yeah, Angeles. Make your career. Um, yeah. what was it like watching yourself on the screen and watching everybody sort of cheering? So, uh, well, just to go a step further, which is crazy. So Paul was already, a lot of those guys were already locked in and started filming for that video. Uh -huh. Um, and John Holland had come to the city stars video and because he watched my part in the city stars video, he called me him and you and called me to ask if I'd be in the Transworld video. And at that time it was like Transworld was... If you had a transworld part, you were going to have a career. Oh, like, totally. There was no doubt about it. And I remember like they asked me to be in, it, be in it and it was just like, oh my gosh, this is happening. Right. Even like with the City Stars video, it was, we were too like in the middle of it to even understand it. But uh -huh. when, tr when it was transworld, it was like, holy shit, I'm going to be a pro skateboarder, you know? And then just going through it, it was just like, dude, it was just surreal. I, I don't know. I don't understand how else to explain. Like it was like, I can't believe this is happening, you know? No, oh, that's right. I actually reached out to John, but he was like, okay, because I wanted a story from filming this. And he's like, you know, hit up Heath, I think Heath uh, Brinkley back then, or Greg Hunt, uh, or Ewan, you Ewan, know? Yeah. And I texted Ewan, but I didn't hear back. It was okay. just sort of a little late because I wanted to get like a little insight. Ewan, I filmed most of the tricks with Ewan for that you video. You did. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. He, now he hasn't gotten back to me. Um, but Chris Cole did, though. Mm. What did Chris say? <laughs> Not specifically about uh, In Bloom. Because Chris and I hadn't met. He filmed his part completely separate than me. Well, what's so crazy, and that's why I kind of reached out to Chris, is you guys had parallel careers, essentially. I mean, obviously, Philly Boy, you're here in L.A., different different brands, but you guys were coming up and skateboarding at the same time. Yeah, um, yeah and we became friends 10 years after it had happened. Yeah. So, But, no, Mike, Mikey's always been a very thought-out and meticulous person. It was... It was a strange how we would skate a spot together. Even a bunch of years ago, he would be at the spot and say, "This spot looks great, and I would love to," and but it's not happening. I just know me, and his awareness to his strengths and his weaknesses gave him a great risk versus reward balance. Huh, that's cool of him. Yeah, that was kind of very. That was kind of cool. I am very meticulous. That's very true. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's and that you know, and of, of just going out with you, like I know that I spoke to people, and you were just on it yeah. you just did it yeah you just made it happen you yeah. knew and uh blayback i got a good one from blayback okay <laughs> here we go um let me find it uh, as i'm 
Uh, Mikey is the type of person with the ability to give 100% of what's in front of him and what is also down the road. He's also working on something magical and prepared for the next. Ah, no. I messed that up. Okay. That was Chris Ray. Ah, okay. I spent a lot of time with Chris Ray. Yes. That's my guy. Chris Rules. Um, But uh, I'll switch back. Mike Blayback said, in general, I'd say Mikey is one of the unique characters in skating that has always been as mindful of all other aspects in his life as he is with his skating. It's awesome to be around someone who is great with his friends, family, business, etc., as he is a skate rat. Beyond that, Mikey always had a plan with what he wanted to shoot, so he never wasted my time, and I was always a big fan of that. Huh? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So meticulous. That was going back to the meticulous. Yep, yep. Uh, that's Playbook just nailed nailed me. That's exactly <laughs> how I go about it. Ever since I was a kid, I was just, I know what I want to do, and I'll go out and do it. How, you know, what's that thought process like? Did you see, I mean, I would see something if I was on tour with guys or at a contest and, okay, Jason Adams is going to wall jam the wall. Mm -hmm. Chet Childress is going to do this. Okay, you know, whatever skater, there are certain skaters you know what, I know by watching how they skate of what type of apparatus or what their thought process sort of is. Mm -hmm. What is it like for you as a skater? And for me, uh, like I like whoever said it about my self awareness, uh-huh. um, it was almost to a flaw. Actually, like it was almost like I was too realistic with myself, which made it good when it came down to like, what do I need to do? Well, I can do that. I can't do that. Let's just do that. And let's make it happen. On that part, it was good. What I had to learn how to work through is that can be very self limiting in a sense because a lot of the stuff. You, you put the bar wherever your mind is, that's the bar of where you're going to hit. And until you can raise it, you'll always be wherever that bar is set. And that was my challenge is I set my bar and, and I had to learn how to trick myself beyond what I actually thought was capable. Uh, and that was more my challenge. But yeah, I think for me, I don't like, like if it's just me trying a trick, I'd sit there for four hours. I don't give a shit. But when other people are there relying on me, that's where it became a struggle where I don't want Mike sitting there for four hours. I don't want Chris sitting there for four hours. Uh, so I just looked at how I could be as efficient as possible and kind of tried to like almost create a, a plan to my part before I even set the part out so that I knew, okay, it's just check, 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 check. That's more how I went about the, the business side of it in a sense. If I was just skating, it was just, yeah, I'm just going to go do my thing, you know? No, that's a good, how did you sort of come to that sort of awareness? Has that been newer? Uh, the w- awareness that I have, I have that of raising your bar because I, that's I, more I new. struggle with that. That's more okay. new. I'm yeah. just sort of figuring that one out. No, that's more new for me. That, that tell you the truth. I think like the biggest challenge to me has always been skateboarding. Everything outside of skateboarding has been easier for me to, uh, push myself or challenge myself on what's actually possible. Skating has always been my biggest struggle in that sense. Wow. You know? Yeah. And I think it's like, you know, like something like, let's see. Something like business, right? You can tell yourself you can't achieve it, but really a lot of it is just in your head. There's no like physical feeling about actually doing it. Uh, With skating, there is. Like you physically feel good or bad on your board that day. And for me, like I always struggled because I never felt like I had the consistency or control that it took to be great. And 
and I think there's a sense of that that is the self-limiting belief, but my 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 challenge was I had an idea of what it should feel like and it never felt like that. So I had a hard time getting my head to wrap around, no, you can do it. Even if it doesn't feel good, you can do it. Does that make sense? Oh, pushing out of your comfort zone. Yeah. I mean, or, yeah, it's... Or like, with a, like, like let's say like, oh gosh, let's say, let's use an example, kickflip, let's say a kickflip front board down a handrail, right? I would not land a kickflip front board every time in a flat bar. And my kickflip never felt like it was like an ollie, okay. right? Where it was there every time. Uh-huh. My kick was like flipping like, oh shit, I hope it's there. And the fact <laughs> that I could never get it to feel like an ollie felt like I was limited on what I could do that trick on, Oh, right? And I think that was the challenge I had is like, I couldn't go kickflip front board down a 15 stair rail because it wasn't at the point of it being automatic where I could risk the fact of me messing up on the certain amount that I did. You know, it was almost like, a, for me, I'm a very, like, it's all, a lot of it's in my head. I'm definitely running through a lot of different scenarios mm-hmm. all at once. And skating is, dude, skating's by far been my biggest challenge to to master. <laughs> well, and skateboarding has given us so many life lessons. Oh my gosh, it's given me everything. I mean, yeah. you know, from, from slamming and getting right back up and dropping back in or mm-hmm. going and trying again. Um to, I mean, apply to life. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Now what tricks, what tricks for you without me making an assumption mm-hmm. of, wh- of what I've seen, um, were those ones that you did? You're like, no, I, I got these on lock. I got these no problem. Um, I mean, I mean gosh, if I could ollie into it or nolly into it. I I felt pretty comfortable about doing it, okay. but even like to the extent of like, I always had like a parachute, like when I was doing tricks, right? Like if I was going down a rail and, and I don't think it's the right way to look at it. It was just the struggle that I always dealt with. I always looked on how I could get out of it. If Something went wrong. Where could I go? Right. But that's not how you should look at it. You should look at it going, I'm going to do this and this is my only way to do it. And it's always looking at the the positive in it, not the chance of a, of negative, and that's just like my struggle, man. It's like I'm um, trying to build my mind and, and skating was was challenging for that. Yeah. That's it's crazy. just fear. When you're dealing yeah. with fear, it, it's beyond fear because you can like skating, you can get really hurt. And so you're you're always having to control your body and push yourself through a point of your body not wanting to do something. And so it's dude, it's it's hard to like get your mind all the way there. Where I learned how to trick it. Uh, but I never could get my mind like on some Cardiel shit where it was just like all or nothing. I was, it was just, I don't know if it's just not how I'm built. I don't know, but. Well, I, I think that people would probably beg to differ, uh, wa- you know, watching you skate. Yeah, but that they're only seeing finished product. Yeah. yeah. Right? No, I, it's weird. <laughs> and you bring this up because I was actually talking, you know, my, I'm, I think of myself as a positive person, but I know my normal thought process is the cap, the cup is half empty. What more can I do? It's not good enough. Like my husband would give me a hard time. You know, it's like I haven't had a cover on Transworld. I mm-hmm. haven't had, I haven't, you know, these specific things. Oh, well, you had the contents page of Big Brother. You had this, you had that. You've had the cover of books, whatever. But it, for me, it would it, there were cer- certain things that I strive to do um, that, you know, uh, but but finding like a gratitude list and mm-hmm. like looking at a gratitude list and setting the bar higher. Yeah. And just to like touch on that. Uh, so I'm very similar to you in a sense of, of my mind always goes towards the worst first. 
and and it's like I've gotten really I've gotten a lot better at being positive. Yeah, me too. But this is something I work on. I spend a lot of time working on it. And just kind of what you said, a lot of it is how we talk to ourselves that that usually was something that our parents didn't teach us because unfortunately our parents' generation didn't have this, right? You never talked about your feelings. You no. never told other people how you felt. There was no like personal development really back then. But a lot of it really is how we speak to ourselves, which changes or betters the way we view everything around us, right? As simple as like I like on the real, the, the me being very self-aware and I say, I can't do that. That's a very negative thing to say when you think about it. I can't do that. That's like not how I should have been telling myself. I should have been saying, I can't do that yet. Even though I, I might not ever go do it, but just having that that option that something's possible, those little things go a really long way. And that's something that just came later for me. I wasn't programmed with that as a kid. So I, that's something that I I still try and get better at now, but I think that helps for, you know, people like us that. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you, for, you know, in my looking at you, I see just a lot of, I, I feel like you're like a Midas and, mm-hmm. and granted, I know you've failed. I've know you've, you've, you've struggled, you've had ups and downs. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's part of the process. Um, you know, so it's always, you know, it's, it's awesome to hear that from you. And I think probably for listeners as well, that, it's not always easy. No, you know, no. for anybody uh, out know. there, just so you know, I'm a very fear, like born, like, I guess like innate, I'm, I'm a very fearful person. It's that's my, whenever something happens, I'm scared and, and worried about everything going wrong. I just have all, I just dominoes, got, just like everything. Absolutely. Gonna- it's my first, it's my first thought. I've just, I've learned that that's my first thought and it doesn't need to be my, my, what I end up doing. I, it's just, I recognize it and learned how to not let it be. What do you do? How do you do that? Or what are some of the tools I should say? Oh gosh, that's a great question. So, so just to let anybody know, from the point of that that kind of thought coming through my head of this is bad, everything's going to fall apart. What I've gotten better at is the the time frame from me being able to recognize it and move forward as it's not. Uh, and a lot of it is me t- like I have like a checklist. I go through a checklist, and and also I've. The more that I learn about myself, the the more control I have over scenarios like this. Just just learning and recognizing that like my first thought is negative, uh, that was very powerful because I know that's not what it should be. And then recognizing what fear is. Fear is a very tricky thing when you think about it, right? Because a lot of times the things we're scared of only actually come to fruition nine, you know, out of one hundred percent, five percent of the time, right? Ninety five percent. That thing never even happens. And the time it does happen, the 5%, is completely out of our control anyway. So when you think about it, we spend so much time worrying about something that doesn't even happen. You know, so when you recognize that, then it's like, for me, I'm just constantly talking myself back to center, if you if you will. You no, know? it's it's good. Because, yeah, I, I feel like I'm, the, I'm in the same place right now. Kind of I've learned to sort of pause to see it. The awareness mm-hmm. has come for me. You know, what do they say fear stands for? False evidence appearing real. That's right. False evidence appearing real. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's totally true. Yeah. And I, and I've too, like the, the further you go in this, you recognize like I do like with business, for example, right? Every time I start something and I hit the point of like, okay, it's time to like put this thing out. I get super scared in the same moment, the same way. Oh my gosh, I shouldn't be doing this. This is wrong. People are going to hate this. And it happens seriously right when it's time for me to, to do it. And so 
you know, after enough times, I've just recognized that that is my indicator that I need to push myself forward. I just know that about me, that I'm going to try to stop myself from trying to do something great. So I just, okay, I notice, recognize it, push forward. You know, it's like, are you familiar with David Goggins? No, I'm not. He's incredible. If anybody is listening to this and, and has an issue dealing with fear, get his book. It's called You Can't Hurt Me. And his whole thing is that our brains and our brains don't like being uncomfortable, right? Naturally, we put ourselves in comfortable positions. And what that means is we're constantly talking ourselves out of accomplishing anything more than we have now, right? So if it's, I want to get in shape, if it's, I want to make more money, your body doesn't want you to be in a stressful or scary environment. So it will start, it'll start trying to get you away from those situations, right? And the problem is that's, you're, you'll never be more than you are now. You know. Well, and it's it's kind of also with like that imposter um, theory. Yeah. You know that you're gonna find you're gonna get found out. Or, yeah. You know, I I, re- I really realized that I went to Super Bowl. Uh, one of the company, you know, I was sent out. Um, paid for everything for me to go out there. I do. I cover the NFL as well, mm-hmm. and I only asked for four days and three nights, and I was there. I mean, and it was it was amazing. It was awesome. Um, but I, it was like a real like aha moment for me. Like, you know, everyone's like, well, why aren't you staying? You know, it's like, uh, well, uh, I only asked for this amount, you know, rather than I, I, and so I will think I will ask for what I think I can get versus what I want. That's so powerful. You just said that. So that's absolutely, absolutely true. We, and I deal with that now still, we ask for things based on, on our personal experiences in the past and what's comfortable for us, right? So if, mm-hmm. you know, if you never saw anyone around you make more than, let's say, $100,000 a year, it's hard for you to go ask somebody to pay you more than that because everything, everyone around you, you've seen work very, very hard to make that amount of money. So you can't, at, you can't understand asking for more, right? What is my challenge, and I think all of ours, is to take our personal experience out of it and ask for what we think we can get, Right. So, I, I mean, I, I'm dealing with that even like I'm for, for my company now. Part of my job is raising money. And I, even when I'm talking to people, I had to learn that I'm talking to them as if it was my experience with money. And that's not, that's, I'm, I'm already putting a negative message out by talking down on a, a larger amount of money. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, yeah, that's a, I mean, I still work through that now. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's cool. It's, uh, you, you know, it's rad because you, you know, I, it's just rad because you're doing it. You're, you know, you've, you're making it happen. Um, you do, you have this little Midas touch, uh, whether you realize it or not, at least for me watching your career, you know, um, it, it's been really awesome. Oh, to thank see you. That. Yeah. Um, so, but I want to, I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to reset again because I want to, you know, MT, one of your nicknames. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, uh, what nickname did Gino give you in Italy and why? <laughs> <laughs> he called me Bottoms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I had some photo, I think it was like a fresh eye photo, my mouth was open. Like, and you, I just looked pretty dumb, <laughs> you know? And you have this guy, Gino. You have Gino, like the like most legendary, like, like <laughs> raw, like core dudes, like... What's up, Bottoms? It was like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a fresh eye, man. I don't know, but that one didn't do me good. 
Maybe it was a Maddox ad. <laughs> Rad. Yeah, no, Gene, uh, Gio actually shared that with Oh, was it Gio? Yeah, who made no, that? Was Giovanni, it Gio or no, was it Gina? Gino did. Because it was on a, on it was a, a Gio tour. trip. Gio was there. Yeah, and I said, think Gio shot it. Yeah, I think Gio shot it as well. He's all, Des, ask him about this yeah, trip. Yeah, he's Ask him about dude. bottoms. Yeah. Um, You've got, uh, well, this is, I have, um, this is for the ladies at the house. Oh, you are amazing. So, Thank you. Yeah. No, just a little Easter stuff. Oh, this is perfect. They're going to love this. Um, I thought pink flamingos right, would they're be, gonna love this. be good. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> they love pink, and we go to the zoo, and flamingos are their family. That's, oh, real? okay, yeah, cool. That's right. a thing. That's perfect. Right. And then um, I've got, um, I don't know if you've tried, um, this is Wave Soda. Mm. They're um, they're helping, they're working with me on the show, but it's actually, it's a rad soda. There's no added crap in it. Oh, perfect. Um, it's We're really big on that. It's 85. There's even one with no caffeine. It has most of them have polite caffeine, mm-hmm. like they say, a dash of polite caffeine. Um, but it's 85% sparkling water and 15% juice, no added sugar. Perfect. This is right up our alley. Thank and you. And some uh, straws as Perfect. well. So um, now you, okay, I mean, you, business wise, you, God, there's so much, um, your career is, there's so much about you. I, you know, I mean, from, you know, GoPro ambassador, filmer, I mean, and athlete, mm-hmm. and the villager, villager goods, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I don't mean any conflict with that, you know, by giving you that. All um, good, I appreciate that, I really you know, do, yeah. Um, but, um, and to retiring from skateboarding, you know, you were talking about this thought process just a moment ago as well, you know, that fear and moving through that fear, what was it like kind of making that decision to not jump off, but, you know, to say you're retiring from skating. So that's uh, a big deal. The, I mean, yeah, the good, the good part, uh, is, uh, if I had the choice to do it, like if it was my choice to go, I'm done, I'm retiring. Uh, I don't know if I would have, it would have been a lot more, it would have been harder for me to let go of it. I, I kind of, I say now lucked out back then I wouldn't have said that, but the choice was made for me. I had sponsors that paid me that, that went away and I wasn't able to get another sponsor to pay me. So it really just became a, you know, an easy, okay, well shit. Now I need to like step out and figure this out as much as I didn't want to do that. I was forced to. Um, so gosh, I always look back at it and go, I don't, I don't know if I'd probably still be doing it now if I had the option. You know, I think it's just the challenging part about us being athletes is we we die twice. You know, it's like this is look, if it were up to me, I'd do this the rest of my life. I would have I would have been skating and I would have skated till I that was it. Uh we just don't have the luxury of having that long of a career. So, you know, I just had to deal with the inevitable of figuring out what my life was gonna look like after. And that was by far the hardest thing I've ever done in my whole life. That wasn't that was it's still something I work through. Yeah, well no, but you did it. You did it with dignity, yeah, and respect. Thank no, you. I mean, you know, because you you are. I mean, and you did have a long career. Yeah. Um. I mean, I had a very long career. I have very. I mean, this thing went longer than I thought. My my goal, uh, even as a kid, it was like, I remember like being in front of Deerdick and Kareem, and our whole thing was like, get to ten years, get to ten years, ten year career, and I ended up being pro for fifteen. So it was like, I mean, as far as what skating did for me, not only from like you know, connections level, what I learned level relationships, like success, 
it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, but gosh, moving through it is, or, or, or it not being your life in a sense is oh, it's tough. That's not easy. But I just looked at it. It was like, you know, what am I going to be like just bitter guy? That's like pissed off at everybody because my career ended just like every other pro skater who's ever going to skate. It's just, it's how it works. So now I just had to learn how to work through the, the challenges of myself and not letting, uh, you know, pain or resentment or insecurities take away from the love I had from it, the people I met through it. It was, I just knew that this was going to be a moment that was going to be hard and uncomfortable. But if I, if I got through it the right way, it would end up being a blessing. And I just kept telling myself that like every day, you know, right on. And I mean, what now jumping off and starting what you started? Yeah. I mean, did you, did you know, did you know what you were going to be doing? No, that was the worst. That was the worst thing about it. And, and for me, like there's a, there's a model or a, there's a trait about me that equals success. I know exactly what it is. I just have to become obsessed with it. And if I become obsessed with it, I'm, I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to do really well at it. My challenge is I could never turn that on or off. Something had to grab me and then it worked, right? So I fell in love with skateboarding, obsessed over it. Okay, had that. The challenge then was to, you know, my career ended and I didn't have that next thing. And that was the scariest part. It's like, dude, how am I going to find something that I care about so much, like skateboarding, and so like I could actually put myself in a position to to do well at it? And in the beginning, it didn't come. I was I was I was struggling with like trying to like throw ideas at the wall, and hopefully one of those would like grab, and none of them did. And that was dude, that was the most frightening part about it. So no, when when my career ended, I was blindsided by it. I you know, I, I was planning financially for it, but as far as like what I was going to do or like my purpose or next, you know, uh, driving thing I was going to do, I had no clue. That was, that's the worst thing about this, this, you know? Yeah. Well, no. And, and scary because you also, I mean, you have a wife and you have two children. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes. you know, I mean, which is, Makes another, it worse. <laughs> well, no, there's more, you know, it's, it's, there's, there's more tears to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just you. Yeah. Um, how now how do you balance do you, how do you balance skateboarding still in your life or can you or do you um it's something that i'm still working through now uh you know i'm i'm trying to skate once a week is like where i'm really trying to push myself to get to but that is even challenging right now i would say it's probably closer to twice a month mm-hmm. um and there's so many things about it that are tough it's there's i don't have enough time in the day anymore so that's challenging uh, it's still so new to me that I think I'm still working through some of the emotional elements to skateboarding that like, it's not doing the same thing for me right now. You know, like skateboarding when it starts is it, it was my release. It was like my thing that I could just go do and be free and, and loved. And then it became my career. And there was a, there was a point of time where it was hard to love skateboarding because it took on a new role. And I had to learn a new way to love it. And I started loving the business side of it. Uh, I love the like, I love that I was skating, but I love that I could try and reach more people, create these video parts, sell more product and, and really was consumed by that, uh, uh, whatever you want to call it goal. Outlet. Yeah. yeah. And then when the career ended, it's like, I lost both things. It was like the thing that I did just to get away was gone and me building a career out of it was gone. So I'm still trying to find that like 
what skating was when I was a kid, where it's just like I get to go do it and not think and be free. Uh, so I'm, I'm still working on that one. You know, yeah. the problem is when I go skate, like I, it happened this weekend. I was in Florida. I skated on Sunday. It was the first time I had skated in a few weeks. And I have so much fun doing it that I go right back into this. I don't want to do anything else. This is all I want to do. Okay. And that's a, I wish it were that simple where I could just go do that the rest of my life. It's just, it's not. So I have to like somehow balance that from like not going just full skate every single day, all day and still try and build a career to support my family, you know? Yeah. Well, no, and your soul and, and nurture your soul. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, yeah. because that's injury wise. That's like the, th- the thing that hurts. It's like, not that you you're hurt physically, but it's that you can't do it. hundred percent. Um, okay, and now I mean, inspiring. You become like an uh, like a, a motivational speaker. You, you I know, really. Yeah. I mean, you've you've got such. I mean, just tonight, today, just so much, so much wisdom. Yeah. Um, that you're able to share and channel to your fans, to other people, through your business. Yeah. So you are got into real estate. Yes. Is that am I? Is yes. that correct? You are. Yeah. I mean, and you know, I I know you're you're attracting many people to kind of. Mm-hmm. kind of share what this experience has been for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so for me, I've been, I'd been investing in real estate a long time and I was trying to like at a young age, my whole thing was like, okay, I knew that like I love skating and I was very scared about how I was going to make money afterward because I was paid because I got good at doing tricks. So I figured if I could figure out how to get my money to work for me, that would be a great cushion to then figure out how to go make money afterward. And that's why I started investing in real estate. I was a a big believer of trying to figure out uh, a long-term plan to put myself in a better position when skating ended so that I would just have to worry about the shit I'm worrying about now. And so having gone through it, I just felt like that transition was the hardest thing I've ever done. And I only had to worry about the financial or I only had to worry about the emotional side, the financial side. I've been planning for so long. It put me in an incredibly good spot, which I was very thankful for. And I just recognized that a lot of kids these days don't plan for that. They don't, they can't see past tomorrow, right? It's like, Oh yeah, I'm doing this now. And I don't, I don't 10 years from now. That's a, you know, ages. But it, if I can like try and get as many people as possible to at least go through the process I went through of living below my means, investing into assets that brought me actual income, like that is where you guys should start planning on your way up, not once it's over. And so that's why I started this company was just to help help other athletes kind of not only plan for it, understand it, have an opportunity, build it. Um, and that ended up being the thing that like has become my new passion is trying to trying to like help our industry fix this problem of bringing kids up with no guidance, no anything, and then just spitting them out and tell them to go figure it out. I, 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 that, I don't like that about it. So that's, that's really where this whole idea came from and a big reason of what motivates me to continue to build it. Oh, it's amazing. Just giving back always. Yeah. It's right. Ra- no, it's just so bitching. Um, we have run out of time. Okay. Um, sadly. Uh, but I do want, again, um, Definitely want to follow Mikey Taylor if you're not. You do have quite a nice following. Um, Thank you. You know, but definitely want to go follow follow Mikey Taylor on Instagram. You do a bunch of stories. You do a bunch of posts. Uh, you do a, you have a YouTube channel mm-hmm. uh, where you're sharing your experience. You know, join him on his adventures uh, and inspiration. Thank you.
you know, and thank you so much uh, for making the time. I'm just going to leave the show with one more quote. It's such an honor for me to have my art on the walls of one of Mikey Taylor's projects. I've always admired his skateboarding and his amazing smile. I love when skateboarders rise up and let their talents go free. Is it Abla? That would be Mark Abla. Uh, he's amazing. All right, you guys. Well, thanks for tuning in. This is the Desiree Show. Coming up, I believe, Isaac Rochelle, Chargers linebacker. We'll be in studio next week. This is the Desiree Show on Dash Radio, and I'm out.